Welcome to another episode of Pastor Dale Walker's Leadership Podcast. We look forward to having you join us on this journey in learning how to become leaders that lead like Jesus. Remember to like, share, and subscribe to Dale Walker on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your favorite podcast. Well, hello, family and friends. Such an honor to be with you today on our Elevate uh, Leadership Podcast. Today, I want to talk about uh, shifting the atmosphere, being an environment shifter through our attitudes, how to pull heaven even when you feel like you're in hell, how to, how to be what we call a, a thermostat who sets the ter- temperature of rooms instead of just a thermometer who simply reflects what the environment around them is. And I thought it would be very good to talk about attitude with this being November and Thanksgiving month. Uh, I always like to take November to work on my attitude because if we have an attitude of gratitude, we're going to do so much more for God. And so what I want to say is perhaps one of the very first ways that a kingdom leader impacts people is through their attitude. Uh, An attitude or a disposition is contagious. I don't know if you've ever walked into a room, both ways you can, you can probably relate to someone who's in a really bad mood. I mean, you felt pretty good, but uh, when you walked in and they started talking and complaining and, you know, just sort of sucked the joy right out of you. Uh, You know, have you ever met what someone called a joy sucker. I mean, it's just like, ah, you know. Or on the other hand, have you met people, when they walked into the room, uh, you started to smile. You started to uh, awaken some great thoughts. And I just want to point that out to start with. And, and that's an amazing thought that every interaction with another human being is a leadership op- opportunity. Every time we connect with anybody, Uh, one of three things happens. We're a plus, we're a minus, or we're a zero. And I try to remember that, whether it's a store clerk or or just someone as I walk down the hall, this could be an interaction that could influence their day in some way. You see, attitudes are ways that we express the spiritual temperature uh, that God wants us to express that's in our heart. And, you know, one of the reasons, especially when I talk to leaders, I say, you know, one of the first things about being a leader is you give up the right to have a bad attitude. (laughs) Why? Because among other things, when you're a leader, your attitude affects people. Uh, It has an exaggerated impact. You know, a leader with a bad attitude is going to affect people. We think of those 10 spies. Uh, They affected a huge country of people uh, in the wilderness. Uh, Someone said, people often feel what you do more than they see what you do. Isn't that true? Uh, People feel. They're around you. You know, you didn't do anything wrong, but maybe they felt they weren't important to you. (laughs) Or... They, you were around them, and all you did is come in and, and, and you know, get a, a bottle of water out of the kitchen. 
but the way you smiled, <laughs> they felt you. And uh, we often say people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Uh, someone said it this way, and this really convicted me. We lead more by our reactions than by our actions. <laughs> and uh, that convicts me a lot because sometimes my reactions aren't so good. If I'm driving with my grandkids, uh, more than driving them to a destination, if I'm reacting to traffic, I am, I am influencing them. And uh, that's something that we all have to be aware of. And so at the very heart of leadership is attitude. I, I really believe leadership is 20% attitude and, and 80% skill. And, and it releases the most important power you have. You see, everyone has a superpower. And, uh, and that is so beautifully described by Viktor Frankl, a, survival, a survivor of uh, the Holocaust. And he said that the last freedom any human being has is the freedom to choose how they will respond to their circumstance. And he said, you know, there were certain people you knew they were not going to survive the Holocaust in, in the, the horrible concentration camps. But he said there were other people, and they would do little things, like they would share their one little grape with somebody. And, and they just chose, I am not going to be a victim of these horrible situation and people. And, and that created something that was so powerful. Our, our ability to say, nobody is going to define who I am, but rather, how I am is going to help define what people experience. I want to read this, and it's in your notes, and I hope you'll download the notes because they'll help you a lot. And this is from uh, Charles Swindoll, a great hero of mine, and he wrote a book called Strengthening Our Grip. And this is what he said about attitudes. He says, words can never adequately convey the incredible impact of our attitude toward life. The longer I live, the more I am convinced that life is 10% what happens to us and 90% of how we respond to it. I believe the single most significant decision I can make on a day-to-day -day basis is my choice of attitude. It is more important than my past, my education, my bankroll, my success or failures, fame or pain, what others think of me or say about me, my circumstances or my position. Attitudes keep me going or cripple my progress. It alone fuels my fire or assaults my hope. When my attitude is right, there is no barrier too high, no valley too deep, no dream too extreme, no challenge too great for me. Thank you so much, Charles. So the power to influence and impact people in very many ways begins with choosing our attitudes. Um, you, we either go with the flow or we bring the flow of the Holy Spirit. And uh, I, I tell people all the time, it is very easy to conform to this world. And it is very challenging to transform this world. But to realize that we have the choice and to realize that God will empower a choice for a right attitude. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 10, Paul is writing from a prison cell, and he says, I have learned to be content. 
literally one translation says, I have come to know and believe that God has provided everything I need for my present happiness. Really, Paul? You're in a prison. You're in a hole in the ground. Uh, you don't have any good food. You don't have any friends. Oh, yes, I believe God has provided everything I need for my present happiness. He says, I know how to be abased or abound. I know how to live with a lot or with a little. And then he gives the point, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In other words, Paul's saying, you know, when I, when I choose to adjust the sail of my heart <laughs> towards the wind of the Holy Spirit, God empowers me in any situation I'm in uh, to rise to the top. Now, again, let me just speak from a leader's point of view. Why is this so important? You know, being a leader in, in God's family or anywhere doesn't mean an easier life. It means a harder life, right? It, it doesn't mean less disappointment, less criticism, less disputes or frustrations, setbacks, problems, it means more. Why? Because now you're not only just caring about your burdens, you're, you're caring about other people's burdens. Not only are you uh, solving your disputes, but now you get other people to come and say, hey, I got disputes, can you help me with mine? And this is why this becomes at the core of whether you succeed or fail. Because your attitude towards all those things determines really the energy you have, the joy you have. And so I would say the very first question of leadership is realizing your success doesn't depend on, on what happens to you. It doesn't depend on whether you have an easy life. In fact, you know you're going to have a hard life and you know you're going to fall down lots of times. But the whole secret to your success is not, not falling, but how quickly and how effectively do you get up? Do you rise up? Do you, do you choose to bounce back? A friend that worked in a nursing facility said, you know, they found out something that's, someone asked him, well, how do you know when one of these elderly patients is, is probably going to die? And he said, I can tell you almost every time it says, he said, when they when they fall down and they don't get back up. Because it's not just that maybe they broke something, but it's that they gave up. If someone says, I'm getting up, I'm getting up, I'm come on, I'm going, uh, they probably have an attitude to overcome whatever it is that they're going there. And, and, and a leader is someone who, who has this sense of I am choosing my joy. <laughs> it, I, I, it's, it's not something someone will give me. And I preached a few weeks ago from 1 Samuel 30, verse 6, about David when they were going to stone him and he had, his family had been kidnapped. And yet it says David strengthened himself in the Lord. David, David said, nobody else is going to encourage me, but I can encourage myself. I will Lift my heart up. I, I love what David says, Psalm 27, 13. He says, I would have fainted being a king as Israel. All this I had to do, I would have fainted, but I believe to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. I chose to get up again. 
Someone once asked Zig Ziglar, well, what, what, what happened today? He says, well, I, I'm in a bad mood because I got up on the wrong side of the bed. And, and, and they said, Zig, what should I do? And he said, go back to bed and get up on the right side. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know, someone said, uh, how are you doing today? Pretty good under the circumstance. And, and the brother said, well, why are you under there? Why aren't you rising above? See, these are the, the, the choices of faith that create this powerful internal thermostat that brings heaven down even when it feels like you're going through hell. Now, how do you do it? What are some of the critical choices? Number one, a good attitude is not just pretending to be positive. You know, it's not a fake smile. It's not that, you know, very authentic, inauthentic, kind of thing you see in some people, which is, you know, be happy, don't worry, la, 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 no, no, no. Uh, Sometimes that actually gets people depressed when you're that way because it's not real. But, But true positive attitudes is a willingness to face the reality of the hardship and yet process it with God in a way that you experience hardship in the light of who God is. And we often say around here, uh, our joy doesn't come from circumstances. Our joy comes from the goodness of God. We're not happy because life is always good, but we're happy because God is good. <laughs> and, and we reflect on that, and it, and it, and it gives us joy. So how, how do we do that? Um, we, we choose to process what we're feeling in the light of who God says. I love the verse in Psalm 121, 1-2. David is processing. He says, I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not suffer your foot to be moved. He who keeps you will never slumber or sleep. The Lord is my keeper. He's my shade. He's saying, look, man, I could, I could stare right now at the dark valley I'm in, but I will lift up my eyes because I know where my help comes from. And uh, I was just, I love this from Chris Valentin, gave a prophetic word recently about how he, he, he felt like the Lord told this word to him and to others. And the word was, Give me your ashes, your disappointments, your griefs and hopelessness. I want to make a supernatural exchange with you, a crown of beauty for those ashes. I will birth things from this soil of defeat you're going through. What is broken when it's put in my hand is healed in an even deeper way than before it was broken. What is crushed when it's given to me is resurrected and brings forth even greater fruit. I just love that idea. We we decide to put it in the hands of the Lord. I did hear somebody say, I thought it was kind of cute. They, you know, they say, well, you know, is being authentic, telling everybody about every pain? And, and this guy said, well, sometimes fake joy is better than real depression when you're a leader. But there's something even better than fake joy, and that is processed joy that says, hey, I had a burden today. But I turned to the Lord, and and he strengthened me. You see, this idea of 
a renewed attitude. It's it's spoken of in Ephesians four. Put on this new attitude. Uh, it is it is not that we aren't frustrated, but while we're frustrated, we choose to be filled. That's the key. We choose not to be able to get rid of the darkness, but we just choose to let the light be brighter than the darkness. I like using the illustration. Someone said they had a glass and and they said, I got to get all the oxygen out of this glass. How do you do that? Well, you could get a suction cup and try to pull all the air out, but you probably just end up breaking the glass. The other option, of course, is you could fill that glass with water and the result would be the oxygen would leave. My point is that people who have good attitudes don't necessarily feel better. They're just filled more. They just come to God for his filling. There is what's called in the Bible the law of the spirit of life. And and Paul, when he talks about it, he says, you know, we're suffering. We've got all of these things. We're tempted just as much as we ever were. You know, that was probably one of the biggest surprises when I became a Christian and I gave my life to the Lord. I, I couldn't believe that I still felt tempted. I thought, wow, I'm a new Christian. What on earth is going on here? I'm feeling lust. I'm feeling fear. I'm feeling anger until I learned, no, it's not that our our flesh disappears, but it is that the Holy Spirit of God is strong in our weakness if we allow him. Someone said this law of the Spirit is like the law of aerodynamics. We all know about the law of gravity. (laughs) It pulls us down. So does that mean we have to be down? Yes, unless we allow a bigger law to happen. If the bigger law happens, you know, 5,000-pound airplanes can fly. Uh, I read this about that. I thought this was a good thing. It said, the law of gravity states that anything that goes up must come down, whilst the law of aerodynamics states that it is possible that something can go up and stay up, even if it's made of metal, like an airplane. If the higher power is leveraged in the right way. By the way, this law was true centuries before anyone believed in it enough to attempt to fly. (laughs) Can, Can I tell you, the law of the spirit of life is real, even if you're not experiencing it. Maybe you've been living in a way that the gravity of this world, bad news, difficult circumstances has put you in the dumps. Can I tell you what's true right now while you feel like you're hitting the ground with the law of sin and death and gravity? There is another law. There is the law of the Holy Spirit. And he's able to lift you, again, not by outer resolve, but by inner surrender. As you get your focus off the dark things and you begin to lift your eyes to the Lord, it always begins with perspective. Um, if the enemy can get you looking at things you can't change, if he can keep you looking at your past, look at how you failed, look at what people did to you, look at how you're treated, look at how things are right now, then you're never going to have a good attitude. But the moment that you look and exercise what you can change, and that is your perspective, your choice, suddenly everything can shift. 
uh, Corey Ten Boom, again, someone who survived the Nazi concentration camps and a great hero. Uh, she said, look around and you're going to be distressed. Look within and you'll be depressed. But look up to God and you will be blessed. And she talked about how one time her and her sister, they're in the concentration camp. They're they're humiliated and all these horrible things are happening. But somehow they'd gotten a little New Testament in there. And and uh, and one of the things she complained the most about was fleas. They had all these fleas. And uh, her sister, Betsy, just kept saying, no, we got to praise God in every situation. Thank you, Lord. Even the fleas, you know. And one day they found out that the reason the guards never came in and found their Bible was because they didn't want to go where the fleas were. <laughs> How many know, even in the fleas, God can be working if your eyes are on him. So let me just give you a couple of examples of how to choose an attitude that will change an atmosphere. Um, number one, I just call it raise your hallelujah in the presence of your enemy. This, of course, is that song we sing. And it's really taking, in a lot of ways, I think, from Philippians chapter 16, when Paul and Silas, they're in prison, they've been beaten, their feet, their hands are chained into these terrible stocks. I mean, it's midnight. How, how much more discouraging could life be? If they had listened to their mind, their mind was telling, we're probably going to be martyred tomorrow. <laughs> these infects, these these wounds are going to be infected. We're freezing. Uh, their mind is probably telling, man, God, why did you forsake us? Why did you let this happen? And yet, at midnight, they raised a hallelujah. They begin to sing, and and you know how the atmosphere shifted. <laughs> Uh, the earthquake came, the chains fell off, the doors opened, the prison guard comes in and is going to kill himself. And Paul says, stop. And and he says, no, believe on the Lord. And, and the prison guard gets saved and his family gets saved and a church is started. And the worst day of their life became heaven on earth because they raised a hallelujah. They, they chose this strong response, which was, God, I will praise you. As Job would say, Lord, even if you slay me, I'm going to praise you. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. It's so interesting. If you read the book of Philippians, Paul goes back to these very people. And, and I know they must always remember the only reason we, we're saved, the only reason we have this church in Philippi is because Paul and Silas chose a different attitude. If they would have just groaned and complained, there would have been no earthquake. There would have been no salvation. There would have been no church. We would be lost still today. And so Paul, in that greatly familiar, fantastic passage, Philippians 4, he just unpacks to them how you raise a hallelujah, how you shift an atmosphere. He says, don't be anxious for anything, but in everything with prayer and supplication, make your request known to God with thanksgiving. Uh, whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's good, whatever's right, think on these things. 
and rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. <laughs> now, now, what is he saying? He's saying shift your atmosphere. And uh, he's saying when you feel pain, turn pain into prayer. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer. As I mentioned Sunday, there's some people who worry about everything because they pray about nothing, and there are other people who worry about nothing because they pray about everything. And so what he, what he does is he says, now articulate, raise that concern you have to the Lord with thanksgiving, number two, which is, uh, you know, turn your rejecting into rejoicing, you know, thank him. Rejoice because even if you don't see the answer, it's on its way. God's at work. Even when I can't see it, you're moving. Even when I can't feel it, you're moving. Turn your hope into thanksgiving. Turn your negative imagination into positive anticipation. Think about what God could do. Think about how God has been faithful and celebrate him. One of the ways, and we we use this term, flip the script. <laughs> One of the ways people flip the script is, is they simply choose to live a life of celebration. They're not sitting around saying, you know, when everything gets good, I'm going to celebrate. <laughs> when I feel happy, I'm going to celebrate. No, I'm going to celebrate and things are going to get better. Uh, I, I rarely quote Oprah Winfrey, but she said this. I thought it was pretty good. The more you praise and celebrate your life, the more in life there is to celebrate and praise. <laughs> and uh, can I just add to this? As a leader, we are to be the chief celebrator, <laughs> the CCO, the chief celebration officer. We're to be celebrating our people, celebrating when God does something good, you, having parties. Why? Because we will shift the atmosphere by our celebration. Make a big deal praising God and praising people when they do something right. Continue to say, my family, I'm going to have a house of celebration <laughs> because that's where God will inhabit. He inhabits the praises of his people. We we create an environment. I don't know if you remember that movie, The Martian, and, uh, and uh, you know, the... The, the the actor there stuck on Mars and 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 he should die but he creates this somehow this greenhouse and in fact the fact that there's no oxygen he creates it you can create a place for the kingdom of God no matter how terrible the environment is uh, secondly we shift the atmosphere when we go from an attitude of what do I deserve to how can I serve. And the picture of this is John 13. When Jesus washes the disciples' fleet, he's flipping the script. If you know the background, they're arguing, who's the greatest? Who gets to sit at the front of the table next to Jesus? Who, who's, who's number one? They're consumed with their position rather than their mission. They forgot why they're with Jesus. And they're thinking, what is in it for me? What is my role? How can I be more secure, famous, noticed, well off? And Jesus blows the whole thing off, and he just begins to take the role of a servant. He washes their feet, and he tells them, 
You know how the rulers of this world, they lord it over people. This is not how it's going to be with you. If you want an atmosphere of the kingdom, you will understand that whoever wants to be great must become the slave of everybody else. This is an incredible environment shift to have what Philippians 2 says, let this attitude be in you that was in Christ Jesus, that though he was uh, you know, equal to God, he did not hold his position as something of a right, but he emptied himself, became a servant, and gave himself even to die on the cross. And that's why he is exalted, and that's why he shifted. Can you just picture in Jesus how when he said, Father, forgive them, can you see that cross, how ugly, how horrible, and yet in the middle of that, he's thinking about, God, please forgive these guys that put the nails in my hands. He, he's flipping the devil on his head. He's flipping what was the darkest day of history into the day of victory because he chose to have a heart of serving. Some ways you do that is, is you show kindness in environments of selfishness. You, you think about listening more than you think about what you would like to say. You know, the whole St. Francis prayer, oh, that I would seek more to understand than to be understood. And I was counseling with some people yesterday. I had so many things I wanted to tell them. <laughs> and the Lord just said, no, you're here to ask the questions. You're here to, you're here to just hear their heart. Um, choose to take responsibility to bring reconciliation when there's division. You're, you're someone who chooses the attitude of a peacekeeper. You're shifting the environment. You're saying, things have happened between us, but the love of God that he wants us to share is more important. You're, you're taking the opportunity to encourage. You don't see other people as the competition. No, you see other people as the purpose that you live. You live to make people's lives better and to make heaven bigger. You choose to uh, see success, not in terms of, as they say, the harvest that you get, but the seeds that you sow. You believe, like Zig Ziglar said, that if, if, if you can have anything you really want in life, if you focused and help enough other people get what they want, what they need in their life. You look at other people, and that's what we're trying to do with Elevate and say, they've got talents. How can I give them the keys to the car? How can I encourage those beautiful gifts inside of them. Who can I make better? How, how, not how can I be better than them? Who can I make better? And suddenly the atmosphere shifts. You forgive instead of hold a grudge. Thirdly, you shift the atmosphere with your attitude through attitudes of courage and conviction, being willing to take a stand even when the world is bowing a knee. And I just wanted to say that because you see people like Daniel and David, you know, you see the Hebrew children. And uh, when Nebuchadnezzar builds the idol and the music plays, everybody's bowing, but not the Hebrew children. They're standing because they believe in their convictions. Man, did that shift the atmosphere. Or Daniel, 
when he's told not to pray and he prays at his window and he's in the lion's den, he so shifts the atmosphere that the lions lose their appetite <laughs> until he gets out of the uh, of the pit. But this this is such a huge shift. What what's needed today in our world because so many people are going with the popular opinion. They're adopting the attitudes of this world. They're they're having opinions but not conviction. Someone said an opinion is something you'll argue for, but a conviction is something you'll die for. People who shift the atmosphere with their attitude are convicted. God has given me right and wrong. God has called me to identify and articulate where I stand. And if people don't like it, they don't like it. I'm not here to conform. I'm here to transform and and let every man go his way. But this is who I am, and this is where I stand. And and the moment we we have that mindset, um, God begins to move. People notice it. People see it. Uh, People believe that what you really say is true because they see that you're not bowing to Baal. You're not, you're not going with the pup. They see that, yeah, you could have more money, but you would rather be right with God, that you could be popular, but you choose to be respected instead. Powerful point. And the last one I'll mention is we shift the atmosphere by having an attitude of bold faith, being a person who prays big and obeys big in total expectation of God to move and do great things. I always say that in any place, business, church, home, there are the position holders and there are the difference makers. The position holders are good people, maybe they they do what they're supposed to do, but the difference makers, oh my goodness, they they see what God can do. They believe God for great things. They take huge risks. They they have a spirit of Caleb. We can take this mountain. God, give me what you have. I'm not settling for what the world has. Uh, it begins in prayer. And I was reading again the prayer of Jabez in First Chronicles 4.10. You have this incredible nine chapters in the book of First Chronicles that's just like all you know, genealogies. This person begat that and that and that and that and them and who and what. And then all of a sudden, they tell a story. And, and this woman has a baby and names him Jabez. And, and the significance of that is that the name means pain, or I got a pain, or I am a pain. I don't know what. And you always wonder, boy, you talk about a, a hard start in your life. Hey, good morning, everybody. My name is Pain. Um, and, and he could have so easily been defeated. But he prays this incredible prayer. Oh, that you would truly bless me and that you would enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And God granted his request. And and he just prays this bold prayer. Number one, for provision. Lord, bless me big. (laughs) Number two, for influence. Lord, let me influence my whole generation. Number three, for protection. Don't let evil crowd me out. And, and then number four, just the idea of deliverance and legacy. And so this is a, an example of, I like to ask people, your attitude in prayer, 
Your expectation is determining your visitation. What are you asking God for? This is is a huge thing. You know, a lot of us, you know, with Sue Yeager, she she spoke one day, you know, we're declaring this a cancer-free zone. That was kind of like a bold and thing. And yet so many people have, have been healed of cancer in our church. That that was a bold prayer, you know. Um, I remember my dad pastoring this tiny little church in the lower valley of El Paso. One day he he gets up and says, God told me we're going to have this ministry center for thousands. We're going to do this. And everybody looked at him like, you know, what planet are you from? But God had put it on his heart. He was walking around this property, and it was miraculous. Within two years, a church was built. The attendance grew by multiple times more. God impacted the city through that church. But it started because of this bold attitude. God is going to do something great. And that always includes actions. Um, we always say, or you've got to be somebody whose attitude is, I'm going to get on the water I'm going to get out of the boat because you can't walk on water if you're not out of the boat. I'm going to, I'm going to do something. I'm going to risk something for God. I'm going, to, I'm going to be the first step. I'm going to own what needs to change in our household. For me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. These attitudes define us. I've shared many times going into my high school. I can tell you the day everything shifted. I went from a secret Christian to, you know, one day I'm going to put on my T-shirt, Jesus is Lord, I'm taking my Bible. I got a friend, and I said, we're taking this school for Jesus. And uh, everything shifted from that day forward. When Moses went to Pharaoh and said, let my people go. When David said to Goliath, I come against you in the name of the Lord. When Ruth said, years will be my God, I'm going for it. Everything shifted. So today, I just want to challenge us and and pray for us. Lord, what attitude are you shifting so that the world around me can be changed? Father, I pray in Jesus' name for all of these leaders as they process this word, as they share it. Lord, we thank you that you have given us this incredible authority to choose our response and to have the power of Christ strengthen us in such a way we not only live above the discouragement of this world, but we shift the atmosphere. We pull heaven down. We we cause our families and our homes to be a place where the kingdom of God is felt, experienced, and is thriving. And I claim this for every person and their families and their churches. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Pastor Dale Walker's Leadership Podcast. Please stay tuned for future episodes and remember to follow us on all our social media platforms. You can find more information about our courses, events, and other leadership resources on our website at hftw.church. May God bless you and have a great day.